0: Hello, my people, and welcome back to episode four of The Scent of a Hummingbird. And today I am honored to introduce you guys to a friend of mine that I think we met each other approximately 12-ish years ago. And we had an instant bond and it was instant love, instant connection on so many things. And we get to dive into some of those things today. But my friend goes by the name of Tyler Hess. And I'm very excited for you guys to hear about his life, about how he's become who he is today. And anything else that comes up in between, I'm certain will be magical. So, Tyler, welcome to the show, my brother. And I'll get you started with the opportunity to. Essentially, I'd love to hear like the background, the high level background of your life, where you grew up, allow the listeners to kind of understand where you came from. And then how I like to ask this first question is insert values that you picked up along the way, whether it be from your parents, anybody in your family, lessons that you learned through experiences. Values that you still utilize today, and that can kind of root you into, you know, the the high level story of your life.
1: Absolutely, man. Thanks for having me, brother. Thanks, thanks so much. Um, and like you said, yeah, instant connection is not crazy when you just when you meet someone and you're vibrating at the same level. And right away, we connected on so many levels. And not to mention, our birthdays like a day apart from each other. So that's mm-hmm.
0: pretty cool. Too. Yep.
1: Um so yeah background uh, I I grew up uh uh in Napa Valley. Uh, my parents got divorced when I was uh when I was 3 years old and luckily they uh they both got remarried and it was a great situation. You know people always ask you uh you know did did uh, your parents being divorced did that you know did that hurt you in any way or make you uh self-conscious in any way and for me no it it uh it was amazing. I have a great stepdad, great dad, great relationship with them both. And um, yeah, Uh, so grew up in Napa, then uh, ended up moving down to the East Bay and uh, went to De La Salle, um, which was an amazing experience. You know, I'd I'd always watched uh, like Maurice Jones, Drew and and Kevin Simon and DJ Williams and all these guys go to De La Salle. And I got the pleasure of uh, playing there, Um, played football and baseball there. Um, started three years, uh, three years there, sophomore, junior, senior year. Um, uh, then ended up, uh, playing baseball down at Pepperdine, which was again, just a great experience. I kind of had to choose football or baseball. Um, but you know, I, I was, uh, 285 pounds in high school. So I wanted to, um, I didn't want to be that heavy anymore and, and, and be that rough on my body. So I chose to play baseball. Uh, moved down there, Pepperdine, great school, Christian school, but we got into, we got into some trouble still, so, uh, had some fun times there, um, then, uh, I, I went there for three years, and I got drafted by the, uh, the Atlanta Braves, um, which was a dream come true for me, um, got to travel all over the United States, all these little podunk towns, and, uh, and really got to, to soak that up. Um, I really feed off that like camaraderie aspect so um, you know sports as you know uh, brings that so got to play three years for the Braves then uh, got traded to the Giants played two years there um, and I've lived a lot of different lives since then I've, I've had three different um, three different jobs I've done since baseball uh, and it's, it's, it's been a wild ride and learning a lot.
0: Cool, man. Well, thank you for sharing that. And I'd love to circle back. And I I really appreciate you sharing um, that tidbit about your parents and them separating at such a young age. And I'd love to hear, you know, kind of how both now you basically have kind of two sets of parents. And I'd love to hear some of their approach, because since I've known you, you've always been a very caring Uh, Person, You've always been somebody who's willing to listen. And that, I think, is a skill that, you know, doesn't just happen, right? Like you've practiced that or you've had people in your life that helped you embody that skill. So Mm -hmm. I'd love to, to circle it back a little bit and go into some of those early years because I think it's really important for the listeners to hear, too. You know, this is kind of a recurring theme on the scent of a hummingbird where we talk a lot about how important it is to have support and real guidance from people that, you know, are not only willing to listen to you, but are going to care for you and be there to support your growth and whatever that might be.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah, my dad, uh, he lives up in Bend, Oregon now, but he's, he's always just been a laid back dude. Um, had a great relationship with him. Um, he, he—he's—he's he's 18 years older than my mom. So I, I've realized that a lot of the—the the way I am is because of of both my dads, and then my stepdad. He—he's—he's uh, he's a little—he was a, a little harder on me growing up, which I needed as well. Um, and I think like I'm—I'm I'm a guy that uh, I don't love confrontation. It's something that I, I've had to kind of learn because. I think growing up with your parents divorce and them, talk, you know, them talking about each other or whatever, like, I'm always like the, I was always the mediator kind of, uh, always trying to cool down the situation. I'm an earth sign as well. So it just puts more, more to that. Um, but I, I realize now that that's, that's kind of the reason I am the way I am and I'm uh, super grateful for that. Um, because you know, my stepdad's, you know, go 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 and my and my my dad's a little more laid back so i feel like i got um i got the best of both worlds there and i and i realize um you know i got to put myself in uncomfortable positions sometimes to to grow and and uh and uh, my dad definitely my stepdad and my dad both taught me those things um yeah just super grateful for both of them
0: that's awesome bro that's awesome yeah i think it is super important to to you know, understand that I think maybe the most significant growth can come from those uncomfortable or even sometimes painful situations. Um, so yeah, I think that's really cool that you kind of got the best of both sides of the coin. Um, and I think that that's a really important takeaway for anybody that's listening. Um, let's get into not to, not to continually just shift because we'll always be able to circle back to really the roots. You know, that's essentially kind of the theme and the motto of what we discuss here. Like we, we stay below the surface here on the scent of a hummingbird. Um, but I'd love to, can I ask a question
1: real quick, Maddie? Please, please. What's the the ethos behind the scent of a hummingbird?
0: We'll get there. I'll let the anticipation build. Okay. I'm glad you already feel it though. It's already bubbling inside of you. Oh yeah. Okay. So let's get into Ty Hess of today. And I'd love to give you the opportunity to essentially explain to the listener who you are Mm -hmm. and whether that be, you know, how you identify yourself from an archetypal standpoint, like you're a, you're a father and a an athlete. Um, and then maybe, you know, what your values are, what your mission might be, like, how do you respond to that question when you meet somebody new and they ask, who are you, bro? Uh,
1: It's, that's actually a hard question. I, I, I don't think you can put me in a box. Um, you know, I've lived a lot of different lives after baseball. I, I opened, uh, health clubs for a long time. You actually worked with me at one, which was, which was so fun. So fun. <laughs> we would be out, we'd be out on the streets, selling memberships and, and just having a blast every day. So I love that competitive aspect of opening those health clubs. Um, after that, you know, I really love the environment. I love hiking. I love nature. So I open. uh, I invested and in, worked at a compostable packaging company. So it was a, uh, compostable solution for styrofoam. So if, if, you know, companies ship foods or, or any of that nature, that's temperature sensitive, it would insulate but it was also compostable. Um and then after that now I'm I'm in uh development. I'm in uh, real estate development, so just a complete 180 in regards to in, to my my work life. <clears throat> and I would say I'm like that as well. Like I love the environment, but I love building things now as well. And I think um you know, you can you you can really uh marry those together. Um because you know, w- with building, there's so many environmental things that go into it. You have to do so many uh, studies in regards to like birds and and nests, and you know, you have to <clears throat> mitigate against a lot of environmental things. Um, and and I and I get that, but I but um, yeah, I, I'm I'm just you can't really put me in a box. I would say um, so. It's something I'm still kind of learning. I think. I mean. Mm-hmm kind of learning through the process of, uh, you know, who, who Tyler is. And that's something I, that, uh, you know, meditation's definitely helped me with.
0: That's cool, man. I think I think that's a really important note. You know, like, no matter where we're at in life and however we identify ourselves at that moment, I think everybody still gets to continually learn more, whether it be about you know, like what makes you go in your career, what makes you go like when you're alone and quiet, you know, what makes you go as a family man and as a father and as a husband and partner. Um, and so I, I think that that's a really cool takeaway for people to, you know, gain as, you know, listening to you, who's been somebody who's done a lot of things, you know, throughout your, your young and relatively short career. Um, I'm curious, based off that response, where and how did your love for the environment come from? Like, is this a deep rooted thing? Or is this something that kind of came with the job? How do you explain that? Well, uh,
1: when I was growing up in Napa, I grew up with my grandpa, and uh, he had a a, couple acre property, and he took care of my, uh, of, of his neighbor's horses. So I would go, Get up at more in the morning, 5 a.m., and go feed the horses, and and we'd go walk through the creek, and we'd pick up you know little obsidian arrowheads that had, like Indians had made back in the day. So I always felt really connected to to nature, the creek, and animals. Um, and I think as I've gotten older, I've I really you know if you go on a hike with me, I'll be pointing out all kinds of different plants and stuff, and I really have a green thumb now. Um, yeah. I, I just feel like we're all one. Like I, I don't, a lot of times when I look into animals eyes, I don't feel, I don't feel different than them, you know? Uh, and, and, you know, I think just, just growing up, I've, I've, uh, I've learned to appreciate things more and be more grateful. You know, the older I get, I don't think I could be more grateful than I am now. Um, but I'm sure there's another level of gratitude I could reach for sure. But yeah. So that's
0: amazing, bro. That's amazing. I let's, let's dive into the thing that you just said being that we are all one because I on my end am very much in agreement and in alignment with that. I have a hard time. I can't kill anything that's alive. I I cannot do it. Even if it's literally like a large spider that is crawling across my computer screen. Like I'll figure out a way to, you know, cup it and put it back outside. Um, I get, I get a little, I feel a little weird on the inside when I, you know, see like somebody in my family or a friend like swat a, a mosquito or a fly even, um, you know, it, it's something that's kind of transcended into to my life as well. So I'd love to hear, you know, kind of your deepened perspective on the we are all one statement and kind of like, however you got to that, like I, I get that you, you know, kind of grew up and we picking up obsidian arrows, which is dope. I think yeah. maybe that went into some of your tattoo also, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah. Um, but yeah, bro, deepen our understanding of what you mean by that.
1: Well, yeah, it's, it's interesting because I'm, you know, I've floated like my, my wife has floated with being vegan and you know, we'll eat vegan meals, but we, you know, eat meat, a, a lot of meat as well. So that's something that's going to be interesting My my daughter's 14 months now. So it's going to be an interesting conversation cause she loves, you know, looking at the chickens or the cows and it's going to be interesting teaching her that, yeah, you, uh, you have to eat that too, you know? Um, and, and I think, yeah, just life isn't black and white like that, you know. Um, uh, and I'm sorry, what was the question again?
0: <laughs> <laughs> no, I think you're you're getting into it, and it it is like maybe the most important question that one could ask. But essentially, like we're kind of dialoguing back and forth on how important it is to understand that we are all one, we are all connected, and. You know, like I'm just curious on, you know, your thoughts and, and how you got to to that point, because I don't think I think most people they're how they're raised like people would be very privileged to be raised with that understanding. And I I know that there are some people that do have that all encompassing kind of background where everything you're open-minded to everything. You can accept everything, albeit different religions, different ways of, you know, how you eat, different ways of, you know, like living your life. So yeah, bro, like, was there a shift? Was there like a time in your life where, you know, like looking at everything, looking at that animal in the eyes and understanding like, we're basically the same thing. We are made of most of the same, you know, cells, like our atomic structure is not that different. Like, was there a shift that got you to that? Or was this just kind of like a, a compounding thing in your life?
1: Um, I, I think I've always, uh, appreciated animals and nature, but, um, you know, honestly, I, uh, when I ate mushrooms, it definitely, uh one day definitely increased my my love and uh and realization that we are all connected um i don't do much i don't take mushrooms much much but um that one time i did it it definitely has affected me since then so that's helped as well um i think i think mushrooms are a great great medicine if used properly and, and at the right doses um yeah, I've, I've I've always loved nature, but I'm I'm starting to I'm continually appreciating it more and more. And as you said, we're we're all connected. We're all just stardust, you know. It's like we're just on this rock floating in the middle of space. It's pretty gnarly.
0: I love <clears throat> that. I'm certain that uh, you and Shiva can have some very uh, enlightening and deepened conversations, and probably do on the regular. I would imagine. Yeah.
1: Well, and, and another thing is, is Shiva has definitely uh, changed me in a great way. We've changed together, but she's opened my eyes to a lot of things. It's been a, it's been a beautiful uh, relationship in that regard. Um, so she's, she's helped deepen my love for nature as well.
0: What are some of the, the things that she's helped you, helped you grow with? Man, I mean,
1: she's always just looking out for me and taking care of taking care of me, cooking me great food, and and uh, opening my eyes to a lot of things in the world that you know I, I would normally be tunnel vision on. She's opened my eyes to a lot of a lot of different things, um, especially now. Taking care of yourself for, for me has been so important, you know, with a baby. If I don't take care of myself and I don't get like we were talking about earlier, the sleep that I need and things like that, I'm gonna be I'm gonna be hurt the next day. Uh, for my baby. So having the baby is uh, definitely made me um, healthier, because I have to take care of myself if I can take care of her.
0: Yeah, I think that that's a really important point. Um, And whether it be, you know, somebody who's listening that is a father and can relate on that level. uh, I think there's relatability in terms of you get to take care of yourself so that you can serve anybody else let alone, you know, be a father to your child. And I am not a father to a child, but I do very much embody or do my best to embody the father archetype. And in being embodying a father, I get to take care of myself first. And there's an analogy that's been used by some of my mentors and people that I really admire and respect. And yeah. I'm, uh, you've probably heard this too, but it's essentially fill up your own cup and then serve, you know, the people that you love the most with the overflow of that cup. If you're serving people from an empty cup, then eventually you're just gonna, you're gonna run yourself out of energy. You're gonna run into things like adrenal fatigue or worse. So I think that's a really cool point that you made. And I think it's very much a universal truth that gets to be applied to everybody. Um, serve yourself first and then serve others. Um, and shiva has
1: been very understanding too. I mean, I need my 30 minutes to an hour of sweat time a day. That's kind of my meditation as well. Um, and she, she lets me go do my thing and then we'll, you know, on weekends we'll switch off, like I'll get my workout in, she'll watch the baby and then vice versa. Um, it's so, it's so essential. I mean just the, just the circulation in your body, just, just, uh, you know, blood flowing through your body and, and, and sweat that, that circulation for me is important. If I don't, if I don't sweat for a day or two, I'll, I'll just internally be going nuts.
0: (laughs) For sure. When did that start? Did that start like before high school, in high school, post high school?
1: I mean, you know, through sports, uh, it was, it was our job. We were doing that, you know, high school after high school we were doing that every day but now I've really learned to you know I love one of my favorite times of the day is punishing myself (laughs) and I think that's been after after sports because I don't have that outlet you know um after work I go home and I'm with with the baby I don't I don't get to play as much you know Mm -hmm. like you know you and I go go to open field you and I go throw the ball do whatever we could do that for hours we used to do that with Makayo, if you remember that yeah um, so uh, yeah in, in the future and I've, I've been super busy with work but in the future i'd like to get back to that and and uh and be able to you know just throw the ball around and have fun um but yeah and in, in the meantime the, the sweating is is getting me through for sure
0: that's your form of play yeah i think there's some, some really <laughs> cool points that you made and yeah i think um you know growing up and playing sport. You know like getting that that sweat in and and kind of like going through those those things that are required of you most people don't develop like a conscious recognition of how important that is until usually it's gone and i think if there's young athletes and young people listening to this understand that playing your sport and playing in general like if you're not an athlete, getting some playtime for yourself to be in that childlike state. And whether it's me and Ty, I love to throw balls and, you know, play ball sports. But whatever that play might look like, it could literally be going on a hike or, you know, going and playing and catching frogs in the creek, you know, like that's playing. And that's really important no matter what age you're at. And, you know, to my to my first point, like, recognizing that getting that conscious, like putting consciousness into how important it is to develop and tax the systems of your body and get into those, you know, not just be in an aerobic or anaerobic state all day, you know, understanding that you get to be anabolic and catabolic and essentially, you know, balance yourself out like that. Um, so yeah, I think that's really cool.
1: And and unfortunately, I think these days people are just addicted to being comfortable. And that's, you know, down to your cellular level, your mitochondria want to be stressed. Mm -hmm. You know, whether it's going through in a cold pool, a sauna or working out, um, the stress, you know, the stress creates diamonds. You could say, I guess the old adage, right?
0: Well, I love that you brought it to the cellular level. Um, I didn't have that in my show notes, but since you did it, we can certainly go there. And I think... I think for me, it goes back to a point that you made and then I strengthened earlier um, in terms of like, where does growth actually come from? It comes from putting yourself in uncomfortable situations is the example that you use. And I added to that and said, well, yeah, like uncomfortable slash painful situations probably, at least through my experience, promote the most growth and as ty just said like take that down to the cellular level and the powerhouse of our cell the mitochondria they get to be put under stress so that they can do their job so that they can actually you know help us at a cellular level continue to grow so we won't get too deep into the science because you know, there may be some people that know a little bit more than us that that listen to this. And they're like, you guys sound like some idiots, but <laughs> <laughs> that's okay.
1: we're up front. We don't know everything. We're still exactly.
0: learning. exactly we're still learning. We're Indeed, playing. we're playing exactly, bro. Um, OK, cool, man. Well, I love how this is going so far. And I I think the coolest part about, you know, being on my side and being a, a podcast host now is having these conversations and understanding that there's so many things that human beings have in common. And I think that's a big part of why I'm doing this, why I'm having conversations with people from all walks of life, all different paths. You know, season one is kind of geared towards the pro athletes, but I think it's really important, you know, being that I've worked with literally thousands of athletes in my 20s, from youth to pro, I think a big audience that's going to be listening to this are people who desire to be professional athletes. And so this brings me to my next question for you, Ty, being a former professional athlete. I'd love to hear how you define not just like what is a pro athlete, but also what goes into being a pro athlete and we can dialogue about that.
1: I mean, shoot, I wish I knew what I, what I know today about visualization and, and manifestations and things like that. I wish I could have used that when I was younger. So any young athletes out there, I mean, the power of that is just insane, but you know, just giving your whole, whole life to something, um, and it's, and it's fun doing it. I mean, enjoying the process through the, through the whole thing. Um, I think something that I really took away that I still use today, it drives my wife crazy sometimes, but I have such a short memory. You know, I was a closer. So from day in to day out, you, you know, you go in and, and, uh, you know, if, if you mess up, everyone knows you messed up in the stadium, you know, closing the game next day, you got to go do it again. And, um, I think that's something that, that I, I use today still, um, just having a short memory and who cares? It's in the past. We're, we're moving forward. Um, you know, in, in five, you know, in a year from now, I'm not even remember that. So just, uh, moving forward and, 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 uh, yeah, I mean, it it was, it's, it's been, it was a fun process. Just, um, you just learn a lot about yourself through, through, through sports, baseball, football um wish I could have played football longer that's my true love but baseball was fun for the for the meantime
0: yeah i think um i think having this conversation is really enlightening because you know like you got the opportunity to be you know by definition paid to play a sport so i guess by definition you know in layman's terms that made you a pro athlete and from what i heard you say Like being able to, you know, potentially like if you take what you know now and you were able to insert that into, you know, 22, 23, 24 year old Ty Hess who was traveling around the country, then implementing some of the mental and emotional skills and being conscious about them. Um, cause obviously you're doing the physical stuff, you know, you're working out and keep taking care of your body. And I imagine maybe not sleeping as much as you understand how important it is now. Yeah. Um, but I think, I think it's really cool to, to hear you say that, um, because to me, and I've had this conversation now with the first few guests, um, on the show, And everybody has a very similar response in terms of a professional athlete is not necessarily somebody who just gets paid, but it's a full, like you said, it's your whole life, but it's a holistic approach from the mental to your example that you use being a closer, like you get to accept what happened and not carry those emotions into your next actions that's i think a really prevalent thing for athletes and humans alike where if you're stuck in the emotions of something that's uncontrollable in the past then how can you actually be present for that next moment and i think that that's something that you know naturally you're told as an athlete in sports like you know, be a goldfish, have a short memory. Um, And, you know, as we grow older and we put conscious conscientiousness into like how we approach life, we get to accept and embrace the emotions of something that happened, but also, you know, leave them where they are and not become them into our next series of choices or actions. And it's way easier said than done. Way easier said than done. Yeah. Um, you know, imagine if you knew what you knew now about how to eat right, you know, take care of yourself, like truly hydrate appropriately. Um, yeah. You know, that's why I love asking this question, especially to you know current and former pro athletes, because there's so many takeaways that young athletes can embody, but also anybody. If you're a professional athlete, a true professional athlete that's embodying that word, you get to be a professional person, Mm -hmm. you know, like if you're you're working in a in a high level industry at a high level, like that career slice of your life. And imagine if, you know, you were hardly sleeping and you were partying all the time and, you know, you weren't eating good, like how would your effectiveness in your job, you know, be impacted like, yeah. I mean, I was, so
1: I, my diet, if you go to diet, going back to diet, when I was playing ball, uh, I would eat, you know, sandwiches, bread, all these things all the time. And I was always congested. I can never figure it out. Finally figured out that I'm allergic to wheat and, and gluten, especially when I have it, you know, days on days on end. So, I mean, just simple things like that. I wish I knew. Um, and you know, so, I, I took on this like saying through baseball and, and I still use it today. It's like, so what? I mean, there's so many things going on in the world. Who cares, you know, what's going on, you know, with me. So what, you know, let's, let's just, I, I wish I could have, uh, I wish back in the day I could have, um, had that a little more ingrained even at like the high school level. I was so serious all the time mm-hmm. uh, going back to play. I mean, loose muscles or quick muscles are athletic muscles. So, I wish I wish uh, you know can't go back now, but it, it was uh, it was fun.
0: Well, that's okay. You and I get to uh, impact the next generations through a lovely conversation, and that's that's uh, there's so much power in that. And I love what you said: loose muscles are quick muscles, are explosive, athletic muscles. Like I don't know if you've seen or watched a big cat hunt, but bro, they're not like doing a dynamic warm up necessarily before they hunt, you know, like it's a quick little low crawl, but they're like, they're loose before that they could be like laying on their back. And then all of a sudden, you know, there's, they spring into action and they're loose. There's not, they're not attached to things that happened to them the day prior or the moment prior, you know, they're locked into the moment. Um, and I think that there's so much that we can learn from nature, you know, that gets to be applied and, yeah man, this conversation's fun and I think, you know, if there's takeaways for youngsters, it's be present, don't let those emotions become who you are and those two skills, if you can work on those from a young age, they'll serve you no matter what you're doing in your life. Mm-hmm. Um All right, Ty, let's shift gears. And that was that was a cool dialogue, but let's shift gears sure. into And you've touched on it a little bit up to this point. But so, yes, you have your career. You know, you're working in a cool industry that also has some environmental concerns, which I love and respect. Um, I'd love to hear like how you picture the big dream or mission of your life and, you know, what that is, what that looks like. It could be multi parts. Uh, I'm curious as to how you think about this.
1: Well, right now I I actually just got a housing project approved. That's affordable housing, which as you know, in California, huge deal. Um, so all my work is in this little town, which is a little bit South of Napa. It's called American Canyon. Um, only incorporated in like 1992. Um, so in the last year, I've, I've gotten three projects approved um, with, with, uh, with the guidance of my dad. He's, he's been teaching me the ropes. And I'm really involved in the city here, which I really like, going back to the camaraderie thing from sports. I mean, I'm on the board of the Chamber of Commerce and, and all this stuff, but <clears throat> my goal is to, to build some more affordable housing for, for people, you know? And it's not just for, it's for teachers, fire, firefighters, policemen, you know, people who have, you know, respectable jobs and, and are doing their best, but they, I mean, they can't, you know, they can't pay uh, 3000 bucks for a, a two bedroom apartment. Mm-hmm. Um, so seeing this city kind of build out is is uh, is going to be a, a goal of mine and, and helping, uh, you know, folks like you and me, uh, be able to afford their first house and, and, uh, and, and live in, in California. You know, I, I was in Miami last week and, and had a great time. But man, I'm, I'm super grateful to live in California with, with how dynamic it is, you know. <clears throat> um, so professionally, uh, that's that's my goal um, uh, over the next 10 to 20 years. And, you know, it, it, it's it's so hard for me because I have goals, but I also I want to focus on today as well. So that's a that's a balancing act, having goals and staying present and and living today because you know you you don't know what's going to happen
0: absolutely i think that's beautiful and that's really cool man that you're focused and and driven by goals that are serving you know much bigger than like you making x amount in your career like of course you get to make money to survive and these projects I'm certain there's an exchange in value, but the value on the other side for people to get to have a place to lay their head down. People that, you know, in the current landscape of the land, especially in California, it's virtually impossible. And I love how you said it with, you know, people that have, there's so many people that I've known that have struggled mightily, you know, figuring out you know, how to figure out how to live. And they, they are working and doing things, um, to support themselves from a financial standpoint. Um, so that's, that's sweet, man. Do you have any plans to, uh, potentially go global with it? Um,
1: not really. No, I'm, I'm, I'm focused on this little town now. Um, because when, when you develop, you have to, you have to have relationships with uh, city council members who are voting on, on, on your projects Mm -hmm. and like city staff and stuff. So uh, we've found that it's, um, it's easier to do it all within one city when you have those relationships and -hmm. you can really nurture those relationships opposed to if I was going to different cities, uh, you know, I'd be meeting, you know, tons of city staff and, and city council members and stuff like that. Um, but I, I just love, I love interacting with people. Like, just like you and just bringing smiles to people's faces and just bringing their energy up, man. I mean, that that's what really brings me joy. I mean,
0: I love yeah. that. I, I admire that you found yourself a, a line of work that supports who you are and what you love to do. I think that that might be, you know, the biggest takeaway of this whole conversation. You get to have the balancing act of being a family man, staying present in each day, but also, you know, serving your community. I mean that's a, that's a beautiful thing, brother. And I, I really commend you for, you know, taking all the time that you have to get to this point. I think it's, it's cool to appreciate and, you know, really reflect on what's gotten you here and that deepens the ability in my opinion deepens the ability to truly enjoy presence and the present moment and be able to have cool conversations like this where i'm not really asking easy questions you know what i'm saying like i'm asking the heavy hitters yeah and yeah bro and and you have you have answers and I knew you would, you know, that's why I asked you to be on the show. Um, because we've always been connected in that type of a way where, you know, we, we love to serve. And in order to do that, we get to serve ourselves first. Yeah. So,
1: and I've, I've failed a lot, you know, with, with uh, other jobs I've done. And, and I think as a youngster as well, um, I, I, I think when, when my daughter gets older, I'm going to ask her at the end of the day, like, what did you fail out today? Like, make it, make it, make it more approachable, you know, make it, don't make it a taboo thing. Oh, you failed, you failed because, you know, it's, that's, that's the, the part of success. Failing, fail as fast as you can to, to, to get to, to your success. And,
0: you know, that's a stick of dynamite, Ty. That's a stick of dynamite of golden nugget proportions right there. I really appreciate you saying that. And I think. I think the listener can really utilize that and that's a part of my coaching philosophy. I think it's as significant to be able to reflect on your wins as it is your losses or your failures because you know all of it you can learn and grow from. As we said at the start like the discomfort and the pain promotes probably more growth than the winning. I think if if I, my team only won gold medals, then there's a chance that I just get comfortable. I just get comfortable in the flow that we're already in. Whereas in order to continue to grow, we have to continue to push the limits. We have to stress the mitochondria. And so please, listeners, count everything that happened to you today. Like count the wins but also be kind to yourself in the losses. Like Ty use the word taboo. And I agree like where I grew up and how so many people that I have known, you don't talk about the bad stuff. You ignore the bad stuff. And I think it's more important to talk about the bad stuff and have those difficult confrontational conversations, because you can have a conf- a, a conflicting confrontation that doesn't have to be a violent form of communication. You can still speak and, and be peaceful. And that's a challenge for me. I can I can sit here and talk about it, but it's still a challenge. Like there's things that come up in my life with my wife and, and people where I, I can sometimes recognize an old trigger and I get angry about something. Or I don't recognize it and I get angry and then I get to go back and be like, well... I definitely could have handled that better or more peaceful or more appropriately. But that reflection, as Ty said, is super important. It's vital for your growth as a human being.
1: And I think it all goes, comes down to people's ego, you know? It's, it's a beautiful thing, nature. I mean, we have part of our brain called the reptilian brain, which is your, your survival, if you will, your subconscious survival. And the ego is, is part of that. It's, it's a blessing because it it helps you stay alive and survive, but it's also, uh, it's a hindrance for sure. Um, and when you let go of your ego, then I mean, failings, whatever, like, you know, it's not, it's not as, it's not as, it's not as big a deal.
0: Yeah. I love, I love that you brought it, uh, more into the anatomical realm again, Ty, you're really crushing it with that today. Um, So I agree, man. And I think that, you know, being able to understand that that reptilian side of you and that ego side is always going to be there, you know, but you also have the other side, the creative side, you know, that also gets to be nurtured. Everybody has some masculine. Everybody has some feminine. Everybody's an equal sum of both of those parts. So for the listener, you get to understand that you get to check yourself. Like a a lot of the times it's way easier to respond with your ego. Next time you get angry at something that happens, take a step back and take a breath and, and see if that's your ego talking or if you're actually talking from your heart. And that's a, that's a cool takeaway that I like, I still use that on a moment to moment basis, you know, like, as me and Ty both have said, we're both just learners. We're still going through discomfort and painful things all the time, and it takes it takes practice to be able to recognize them quicker and then not let them happen again. It takes practice. You, you it doesn't just happen overnight. So, great points, brother. Great points. Uh, should. So, okay, I guess we can shift gears, although this is quite fun, but I have two, two questions for you remaining. And the first one is what would you like for your message to be to the world? If you hypothetically knew that today was the last day that your soul would be in this human body, the last day that you're alive is today. What is your message?
1: My message would just to be, I mean, to enjoy the moment. I mean, look, look at all the blessings we have. Um, And, you know, I'm, I'm a, I'm a Christian man. So I I thank God and thank Jesus for, for, uh, for giving us this life and just the opportunity to experience things and be able to, to love, I mean. I mean, it's, it sounds corny, but it all comes down to, it's all love.
0: I don't, I don't think it sounds corny at all, brother. Um, I agree. And I think that's a strong message and it's kind of been the theme of our whole conversation also. Um, okay, cool. Well, thank you for that. And lastly, as we almost jumped the gun a bit earlier, the anticipation level can now be met. So I need to know what comes up for you, what you think about when you think of the scent of a hummingbird.
1: Well, I love hummingbirds. I I look at them in my yard almost every day and try to make sure my cats don't attack them. (laughs) 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 <laughs> um, well hummingbirds you know they vibrate at a super high frequency obviously and and it's just crazy how fast their heart hearts must beat but i i'm in i'm envisioning the scent of a hummingbird would smell like beautiful flowers that they're eating doesn't sound like a bad life to be a hummingbird by the way just it's kind of like bees as well and i oh did you know i'm a beekeeper did you know that
0: let's uh I I really want to know about this because I've seen some of your guys' things over the years on Instagram. Um, But please share with the listeners and and also the similarities between bees and hummingbirds and that significance.
1: Yeah. I mean, again, my wife got me into the the beekeeping, but it's been super fascinating. They're they're just fascinating creatures. Um, And when you get into the hive, you can just feel you can feel their energy, um, you know, whether their, their tone is soft and relaxed or if it's like at a high frequency, they're freaking out and, and the whole, you can feel the whole hive, you know, um, in kind of in panic mode. Um, but yeah, it's been a really cool experience. I'm, I'm still learning as well. We, we have three hives. Um, and, uh, I, I'm, ha- I'm gonna have to get you some honey next time I see you cause it's some good honey.
0: I would love that and I would love to next time I venture up north uh I'd love to put that suit on and and feel the energy of the of the hive man like I've been uh I've been yearning for that since I've been seeing you guys uh as as part-time beekeepers <laughs> I love yeah. it man Okay well lastly let's bring it back to so you mentioned the tone and the the vibe of being in that beehive What's the tone in the vibe that you feel off the hummingbird? Um
1: the floral scent for sure, but um just the vibration of their wings going so fast and just kind yeah. of levitating there. Um it's
0: pretty pretty badass. Indeed, indeed. They're quite magical creatures, brother. Um okay, man. Well, This wraps up our episode four of The Scent of a Hummingbird. I hope that you all enjoyed and I will see you next time.